soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. In chapter 18, verse 1, we read this. Then he that is Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was a certain in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said to him within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says, and shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It's a great passage on prayer, isn't it? It's good stuff to just think about. Prayer, of course, being communication with God, and the context is prayer. And it's built in for us with this parable that the purpose of it was to speak to us with a clear understanding that for his followers, that men, women, ought not to lose heart, but to continue in prayer. You know, prayer is an interesting thing, because when we pray, we we pretty much get three answers, a a yes, no, or a wait, right? I mean, sometimes you pray about something, you know right away God closes the door, and we often say that God's no is louder than his yes. Most of us understand that. His no will be, is generally much louder than his yes, I have found. So it's like, oh, I guess, like, Lord, if I could have this job, and then you find out you didn't get the job. Or, Lord, if our kids get in this college and they don't get accepted to that college, like, that's, well, that's a no, right? And, and when you get those no's in prayers, you just need to say, well, Lord, you got a plan with that. I mean, if we believe that God is perfect and he's the father of light in whom there's no shadow of turning, and we believe he loves us, demonstrated through sending his son down on the cross, we can trust him with the no. Even as when you're growing up, your parents, whether they're great parents or maybe not as great, but as a whole, most parents are pretty benevolent and loving and look out for the interest of their children. And there are times our parents say no, right? I mean, we can remember growing up and, and uh, with my own children, I've often would say to my kids, do you think I'm for you or against you? And so often as parents, for those of you with children, we would say no. We're going to say no to protect them. I remember there was a time when... Um, uh, Leah, our daughter, wanted to go to Hawaii with some friends. And at the time, it seemed like a good idea. And we said, no, we just didn't feel comfortable about that. Later on, it became pretty obvious that was a good decision uh, for her and for us. Our Heavenly Father's like that. He will say no, because in the end, when you think of when Jesus was asked how to pray, and we saw this early on in Luke, they said, teach us to pray. And he said, pray in this manner, our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come, your 
will be done on earth as in heaven. So in the basic foundation of prayer and the relationship of prayer with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ as our mediator and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you know, we, we, we come and we come not trying to impose or like the widow, badger the judge, the unjust judge, to get our way. And, of course, there are people. We all know people, the context I think we can all relate to. There are people who they just, they're just going to make noise until they're appeased. But often with the policy of appeasement, it's never enough, if you've never found that one out. Like, you do things to appease people, quite often it's just, it's never enough, you know. And so that's kind of tough, too. And it's unfortunate, like the proverb says, that the first to plead their cause seems right until their neighbor examines them. And some people just think they can get things, uh, get their way uh, in an organization, at work, or at a store, or in their neighborhood by just making a lot of noise. And, you know, they say, with the squeaky wheel gets creased, right? And, and that happens. And that's the context, really, of what Jesus said. But we're not to confuse that at all with how God is. So when we're seeking the Lord and we're praying to the Lord and asking the Lord for guidance and direction in things of our life, we will know that God is good. The Lord is good, is what the prophet Naaman said. In the midst of a book pronouncing judgment, and in the middle of it, he says, the Lord is good. And he's a strong tower to all those who trust in him. The Lord is good. And what we want to learn in our prayer life, when God says, when we're acknowledging him, as it says in Proverbs, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. If we understand that the Lord is good, and he's a strong tower to those who trust in him, it becomes second nature. If we truly trust the Lord, we trust him when he says no. So it's a good question to ask right now. When God says no to your prayers, do you trust him? Do you trust his no? Because again, his no, like an earthly parent, is generally, well, it's always in our best interest from the Heavenly Father. Sometimes the earthly parents, you like to think it is, but we don't always have a perfect batting average as parents when we've said no. But no is no. And even as... If our two-year-old wants to go run in the street in traffic and play, we say, no, it's affirmative no, and we're going to protect them from their own folly and not knowing better to go do that. So we ought not to grow weary in prayer, but in understanding in prayer that there are times that God just says no. And that's where faith comes in. And that's how this whole thing ends. Like, will, will the Lord find faith? Will he find people when he returns, and that's the context, Trusting in him when he says no. Now, many of you with older children have gone through this already. When your kids, you know, they maybe like in high school sports, they didn't get the position you thought they should be playing. Uh, they didn't get this opportunity that they, you thought they should have had, like whatever, in the honor society, any, any sorts of things. You, when they tried to get this job and they couldn't get the job or whatever, and you felt like, man, my son, my daughter deserved that job. And, and, and then when you start applying for colleges, and there's no's, or if you're elite athletes and you feel like they should get a scholarship and they, you know, they get overlooked, and, um, or they're on a club sports team and they should be here, but they're there, and they should be playing more, but they're not, and, and you feel like there's no, as a parent, it's like, ah, oh. but what happens is they get a little bit older, you learn to trust in the Lord, so when you, you apply to this college, that college, and that college, and there's a no, 
You know, it doesn't mean we should grow weary in praying for the Lord and his will in our life. We should accept the no and use that as, see that as a means of being one step closer to his yes. Because his no is very deliberate and absolute to our own best interest. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Okay, I'm going to acknowledge you in all of our ways to direct our path. We're going to go in this direction. And listen, a moving car is a lot easier to redirect than a parked car that doesn't start. So it's okay to take a step of faith and find out, you know, I thought the Lord was in that. Guess he wasn't. And then you just retract. That's okay. I still have 14 months of my life. I'm still not sure what it meant when we lived in Vermont. I'm very truthful. It's like, whatever it is, it happened a long time ago, and God did a work in my life. That's what I can tell you. But, you know, that one's just like asterisk and just move right on, okay? That happened in the 90s. and But, like, you know, we go for it, and then maybe the Lord's like, hey, you, oh, I thought for sure this was the Lord, but it was no. And that's okay if it's no for you, if it's no for your kids, and it's no for this situation or that circumstance. But we should not grow weary in praying because what happens a lot of times when the Lord says no is we think, like, oh, why bother praying? No, that seems more like a, almost like a tantrum, right? Well, God said no, so I'm not going to, kind of like when you're kids, right? No, you can't spend the night at your friend's house. Well, you know, and then they have a little tantrum. It's like, well, we, you know, we all know an adult tantrum when we see one, right? I mean, the spouses know adult tantrums with the, but, but like we, we do that. And we don't want to make that mistake with the Lord. When he says no, and it's clearly no, it's like, okay, Timmy's not meant to go in the Marine Corps. He's not meant to have a scholarship. He's not meant to go to Point Loma Nazarene. He's meant to go to Cal State Maritime. That's what's meant to happen. Okay, Luke's not meant to go to San Diego State or Long Beach State. He's meant to go to Grand Canyon University and, and so on and so forth. And we, we thought that there are certain boys that would be a good fit for uh, being husbands for our, our daughters when they were younger. I mean, by the way, in case you don't know, we do that, right? Okay. And, uh, you know, and like if the kids go to Calvary School, okay, here's, you know, 600 high school students and, you know, maybe, maybe. And we always wondered why it never happened that none of the boys seemed to really uh, have, uh, an attra- you know, a strong attraction to Hannah, our daughter, because, well, it, was meant, it wasn't meant to be that way. She's meant to be married to Nate Gallagher and live in Vero Beach, Florida, which is tough on us, but it's good for the kingdom of God and it's good for the will of God in her life. And that's just how it works. But what happens when God says no is we often think, well, why bother? But Jesus says we ought not to grow weary in praying. Now, he says, wait. That's another one. And when we hear wait, we're like, oh, wait is like, no one likes to hear wait. And people in Orange County most particularly do not like to hear wait. You know, when you travel somewhere else and you live in Orange County and you go somewhere like Chile or somewhere like that, where it's just like, come on already. You know, it's just like, it, we, we expect things very fast. In fact, in customer service in Orange County, if it doesn't happen quick, then, you know, people get testy. People, you know, and really in the Southwest, for that matter, like just the style of lifestyle that we're in a hurry. And it's like that. But the Lord's not in a hurry. He's working in us and through us. And so there's times when he'll say, wait, because we're not ready. But it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Remember, the Apostle Paul felt led to go to two different places on his second missionary journey where he was forbid by the Holy Spirit to go. One was Bithynia and the other was Asia. And both times they went out to do it. And then it says the Lord forbid them. And then they ended up going to Macedonia and to Philippi and all that. But then he never went to Bithynia. But when Peter wrote 
to the dispersed, he talked about those who are in Bithynia. So someone went there with the gospel eventually, modern kind of Turkey. And then he did go to Asia. He did go to Ephesus on his third journey, well, second journey, and became the base of ministries, third. So one thing was an absolute no, and the other was not yet, not the right time. So God can say no, he can say wait, and then, of course, he says yes, which is very joyful. But because he often says no and wait, we, all, we almost get surprised when he says yes. Like, really? Yes? Like, I got the mind of the Lord? Like, I'm right on target here? Yes, you do. Really? Yeah, but we need to understand that God, God desires good for us. He's for us. The Lord is good. God is good. King David, at a heart for the Lord, said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jeremiah, the prophet to the people of God in a dark and difficult time, said that his thoughts for us are good thoughts. They're not thoughts of evil, but to give us a future and a hope. And sometimes his no and wait in prayer is to get us to press in closer to him, to be more dependent upon him. It, the Lord puts a big premium on passion. We see that to the church of Laodicea, where Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but not lukewarm. And there's a lot to be said for passion, even in the Old Testament, when the one king and Elijah the prophet said, hey, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Shoot the arrow. And he's like, okay. And he shoots the arrow like three times. And he goes, now strike the ground with the arrow. And the king of Israel goes, okay, like uh, once, twice, three times. And, and Elijah, it's the last ministry he had was his story. He told the king, you should have struck the Lord like six, the ground six times. You should have like, you should have more fire. You should have some passion. Because that was the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. You're like, oh, okay, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. You know, like I'm a king. Okay, one, two, three. And Elijah's like, dude, you're going to have full deliverance. As many times as you would have struck the ground is as many times you would have had victory over your enemies. But you struck it three times. And that's exactly how many times you'll have victory over the Syrians. It's like that with prayer. God said through Ezekiel during the, um, the captivity, he said, you know, Ezekiel, I look for just one person to stand in the gap, and I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't find anybody who was willing to sacrifice the time to stand in the gap and pray for others. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro over the face of the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And when we are praying and we're seeking him and acknowledge him in our personal lives and our personal decisions, he we need to let him say no. We need to let him say wait. We need to just rejoice when he says yes, you know, or maybe we don't want to hear yes, but he's going to say yes, no, or wait, to, you know, wait for further information. And we need to let Jesus be Lord. We need to let him be Lord. He knows better than we know. He formed us in our mother's womb, Psalm 139, and that our soul knows well. And his, his thoughts are good thoughts for us, and he's got a plan and a purpose. And the steps of a righteous woman, of a righteous man, are orchestrated by the Lord. We can plan our ways, but it's much better to just let the Lord lead our ways. And that's what prayer is all about. It's saying, Lord, here I am. Send me, use me, and guide me. And, of course, we've been seeing the book of James. If we lack wisdom, which we often do, we can say, Lord, what should I do? And he promises to show us what to do. But we need to ask in faith, James says, and not be double-minded. So we don't ask, well, like, what would you want me to do? And then he tells us what you to do. You're like, I don't like that. I don't like that answer. Well, then you weren't sincere in saying, Lord, you know, seeking wisdom from the Lord. Let not that woman or man think they're going to get anything. They're, they're double-minded. They're tossed to and fro. So the key is a tender heart 
for the Lord, to want to grow in the Lord and to be dependent upon the Lord and just be in his word, to be in prayer and acknowledge him and, and just make that time for the Lord. That we ought not to grow weary. God's not interested in a legal relationship or robotic relationship. His relationship with us through his son dying on the cross is a loving relationship that is initiated through being born of the Holy Spirit and to have the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit and to be able to have God speak to our heart through prayer. And he'll speak through his word and we cast our lot before him and he'll, he'll put things on our mind, he'll impress things on our heart and he'll guide our steps. But as we know from Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah the prophet, when he was in the cave and there waiting on the Lord, he said that the Lord wasn't in the fire or the wind or the earthquake. The Lord's voice was the still small voice. So to have a quality prayer life with the Lord requires really making time to be still and know that he's God. David said in the Psalms that he meditated upon the Lord at night. He prayed and cried out to the Lord at night and he sought the Lord early in the morning. And by the way, don't we know when we have trials and tribulations and things that overwhelm us, don't we cry a little louder at night? Don't we cry with a little more urgency in the morning? Don't we press into reading God's word or turning on K-Wave or listening to a podcast? Don't trials and afflictions that the Lord allows press us in a little closer and a little tighter? The Bible tells us, woe to those who are at ease. And God will allow things to, to make us more dependent upon him and to trust him, just like his parents. When we say, well, you know what? They're, they're adults, and they're going to make adult decisions. That's what you say about your kids when you get older. And, you know, sometimes you just got to let them, you know, let them make decisions. You just got to, like, you can't call a timeout. Especially if they don't think you're coach anymore, right? <laughs> you just can't call a timeout. It's like, nope, there's, there's no, it's a two-minute offense. This is going to play out, and this is just going to, this is, self-determination, their ownership. And the Lord will let, the, let us experience that, but then like he's still watching over us and then using things and allowing things to bring us closer to him. Men and women ought, not to, ought to pray and not lose heart. Please don't lose heart and please be dependent upon the Lord and please seek him and depend upon him through all your experiences because that's really what he wants and that's what Jesus is saying because when he, when he returns for you or me, or in his coming, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find in you faith that you know who he is and he's good, that the Lord is good and he is your high tower and he, you can trust in him and, and you, you, you carry that over and how you carry yourself and how, what you speak and how you respond and how you handle things in your life. Will he find faith, find faith in our hearts? When he comes for us, I sure hope on my last day and your last day, he finds your heart full of faith and that it would just be like any other day where you acknowledge the Lord in the morning, you're, you're conscious of the Lord throughout the day, and here I am, Lord. And all of a sudden, like, hey, he's here. He really is here. Like, that's really going to happen. And when he comes for us, I want us to have hearts full of faith that we weren't doing religion or playing church, but that we had a vital, healthy relationship with him. And I move on from this with what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And he said, if my word abides in you, you will ask what you will, and it will be done for you. So not only is for prayer for seeking direction or interceding for other people, like we saw in uh, 1 Timothy a couple weeks ago, but it's just there for him to show himself strong on our lives. It's just, it's there to produce fruit. It's there for him to be working in and through us for his good pleasure. So we want to be a praying people. And I, I have found in my own life that praying for people and praying for circumstances helps me be a lot more sensitive to the Lord in my interactions with those people, particularly difficult people, and particularly difficult things I need to face. I learned something years ago in this church. If there's something difficult going on, I want to face it in the sanctuary where I sit on Tuesday night. I had a difficult phone call a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh, this is a home game. I sat right there where I sit on Tuesday night. This is where I worship. This is where I pray. This is where I give. This is where I fellowship. Now, this call's coming here in the sanctuary because cognitive and aware of the presence of the Lord. That's how we want to be. Men, women of prayer. Now, there's more to it because we get a praying example. But I leave you with this question. Will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find faith in our hearts on the earth when he comes? Verse 9 for us. Also, he spoke this parable. So another parable. To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. With himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, it is interesting that a good portion of the world prays. But what shapes our prayers? Does God's word, like I shared from John 15 a moment ago, does God's word in us mold us and shape us in how we pray? Or do we just pray like as a means to an end? I mean, a lot of people who don't profess Christ as Lord and Savior, they'll say they pray. I mean, on your phone, you've got this emoji, right? Yeah, I mean, people pray. Or a, a big one that I heard a lot in South America was buenas vibres, you know, like good vibes. And they put the prayer symbol, like praying for good vibes, thinking good thoughts. Okay. Since God's put eternity in our heart, most people, if they haven't suppressed it and completely seared their conscience, they have an idea that there's a greater power or a higher power out there they might pray to. And human beings do funny things when they profess to represent God, right? I mean, there's a lot of different world religions that do funny things. And even believers sometimes can do funny things. But I always say, if people are being weird in Jesus' name, it's not because Jesus is weird. It's because they're weird people, right? They're just weird people being weird in Jesus' name. Jesus isn't weird. People are weird, okay? And we, you know, so we need to make that clear. But one thing that we, we, we often find, particularly that the church can do, like Christians, is that we can um, forget that we've been saved by grace. I mean, we 
can all do that. And we can be condescending toward other people. And the purpose of praying for other people is not to be condescending toward them or look down on them, but it's to be have our hearts soften toward them and see ourselves like we see them. None of us would really ever want to believe that we're this person who's like the Pharisee that says, um, well, you know, I thank you I'm not like him and not like them. And I hope none of you would pray like that. I don't think you would because I just don't see that in you. But there are people that are like that. There are people that profess to know God who look down on people, even in, even in the Christendom, if you will. And Jesus says, so they just pray to themselves. God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And he knows the heart. And I think our words, because our words reveal us, our words when we're just speaking in general reveal us, and our words in prayer reveal us. And I just think it's really important that as we think about spending time with the Lord and praying and things, that we don't, we don't have a, just a condemning view of other people, that we're not like uh, trying to exalt ourselves by the good things we do, because that's a legal relationship. One of the things I really learned from Pastor Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa when he was on this planet and teaching, he, he talked about, I, I first heard it in the 80s when I got saved, but he talked about a legal relationship. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.